Okay, so this morning I'm going to be preaching a sermon I've entitled The Cross. Amen. Uh, this is not, it's not, it's not a new sermon, it's a sermon I've preached before, uh, but most of you have never heard it, so we thank God. Um, yeah, the cross. I presume we all know what the cross is. The cross was the instrument of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but it was also the instrument of the beginning of our salvation. You see, and most of the times when we think about what to preach or when we talk about God, we like to go into the deep things. But you see me, I'm a simple guy, and when it comes to the gospel, it doesn't get more simple than two things, and that's the cross and Jesus Christ. Amen. The history of the cross is very, very fascinating. It goes all the way back to India and China, way before Jesus Christ was even born. And uh, the cross was used as a method of torture for people uh, that broke the law. But how, uh, and the cross was, was literally a scientific method on how to torture people. Uh, people were left there, as we know, they were pierced by hands and feet, and they were left there to hang for days. Most of the times they had to hold their body weight up because if they didn't do that, they will struggle to breathe and they will die by suffocation. So I'm sure I've painted a wonderful picture of the cross. You know, it's little, it's bloody, and that's what the cross is. But what if I was to tell you that the most celebrated event in human history is one man being crucified on that cross. And that man's name is Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen in this place? Uh, the cross was used to crucify people that were criminals, was used to crucify people that were guilty for one thing or the other. But Jesus Christ was the only one that was ever crucified for no crimes that he committed. In the fourth century, Constantine abolished the, uh, the cross being used as a method of torture. And that's when Christians at the time, the uh, early church, that's when they started using the cross as the symbol of Christianity. And that's why right now we see things like the Red Cross. We see things like this. If he if was to pass a guy wearing a necklace and he had a cross on the necklace, you just assume he was a Christian. That's what, that's the power of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Now, all this sounds very good, but before we continue, I think it's best that we pray. So if you just bow your head, let's quickly pray. Heavenly Father, King of glory, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, that you have granted me this morning. Lord, I pray for boldness, Lord, and I come against any immoral thoughts in my mind right now in the name of Jesus. And the church said, uh, amen. I want us to open our text, uh, which is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and, I, and have tasted of the good word of God and powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing that they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him unto open shame. This means that anytime we sin, anytime we do things that are evil, we crucify the king of glory who was once crucified for us. We crucify him afresh. The word afresh means again, means one more. So anytime we sin, we pretty much crucify him. And this means, the Bible even tells us that for all, for all have sinned, that we've all come short of the glory. This is why it's wrong to say that it was the Jews that killed Jesus Christ, because it was each and every one of us. As long as we have sinned, we have had a hand in crucifying him. And they, they, like I said, the word afresh means once more. So we sin every day. Most people, we sin every day. That's our human nature. We sin every day. Our heart is desperately wicked. And that's what the Bible, that's what God has told us. And that is the person that created us. So he would know better than us. Some people might say, nah, I'm not, I'm not evil. Yes, you are, because God said so. 
So um, some people might even ask, why would God decide, why would God and Jesus decide to go through all this pain every single day? Why would he decide to do all this thing every single day? Well, the answer to that is because he loves us. The answer to that is because he loves us and he wants the best for us. Can I get a man in this place? Which brings me to my sub point, which says God's love surpasses knowledge. When I think about the cross, there are four things I think about. And the first thing is uh, the, the width of the cross. That's how the width of the cross. That's the first thing I think about when I think about the cross. Just use your imagination to think this morning on how Jesus Christ had done the cross, but his love spreads throughout the world. His, well, his love spreads throughout everywhere. His love goes from America to China to Japan to here in England and even in Nigeria and different countries. The love of God is not one-dimensional. The other day I was listening to somebody speaking and, he, and there was this woman on the radio and she said that she just she's aching for somebody to love her for who she is. She's aching for just for somebody to love her just the way she is. But I'm here to tell you the love of man is conditional. Most of the times people will only love you for what you can actually bring to their table. Not because of who you are, but what, what you can do for them. But the love of Christ, agape love, is different from anything that we've ever experienced. It's different from any relationships we will ever have in our lives. The love of Christ is independent of us. All we have to do to partake of the love is just to say, God, I'm sorry for the things I've done. And he told us that in him we are a new creation. Can I get an amen? amen? The love of Christ is different from any other thing that we'll ever experience. I'm just going to very give a very quick analogy. I'm not comparing this to the love of Christ, but it's just to get our, get our mind, give our minds an idea of what I'm talking about this morning. I, I have a friend, and I grew up with this guy. We went to the same college. Um, we kind of grew up with him quite close still now. And uh, I remember when we was at college, he liked this girl. Amen. <laughs> he liked this girl. And uh, one day he decided to approach and tell her, look like, I like you. I want you to become my girlfriend. She looked at him and she said, no. <laughs> and some of us, most of us would have just taken that L and call it a day. But he went home. He said, you know what? I'm going to go back. So he goes back again. And he says, look, I still want to make you my girlfriend. She looks at him again. She says, no. So this happened, I think, about four or five times. Before eventually on the fifth time, she said, you know what, I'll give you a chance. Yeah, I'll become your girlfriend. Like I said, I'm not equating this to the love of Christ. But like I said at the beginning, we are all sinners. We have all sinned and come short of the glory. But yet, uh, Jesus Christ is knocking on our doors, the doors of our hearts, and asking us to accept him. Because if we have a relationship with him, our lives uh, will never remain the same. Am I talking to somebody this morning? The love of Christ is independent for us. That's the width of the cross. The second thing I think about when I think about the cross is, uh, is the length of the cross. Amen. I just got a question to pose to everybody. I want to be very interactive this morning. Does anybody know how tall the cross actually was? Shout it out. There's no wrong answers. There's no right answers. Just shout it out. Let me hear some, some of the things you guys have to say. Ten feet. Okay. Seven, okay. Somebody say 15, I'm assuming. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're all wrong. The love of the cross, you cannot measure it. Because the length of the cross, how can you measure the love of the Father? How can you measure the length of the cross grows from eternity to eternity? The length of the cross goes from everlasting to everlasting. Can I get an amen in this place? You cannot begin to measure the love of God. You see when Solomon built the temple of praise, it was 60 cubits. If you're a mathematician like me, you will know that that's about 33 meters. 
If they when um, Noah built the ark, that was 450 feet. Where most of us know who Brother Toby is. That guy is about six foot six. Now he's a giant. When some of us, I'm six foot, come on. So when I stand next to him, I still look like a man. But some of us, when they stand next to him, you guys look like kids. For real, for real. But, but, all of that, but all of that can be measured. But how can you measure the length of somebody that died on the cross for you? Jesus Christ was an innocent party. And because of our sin, he was slain on the cross. Because of our sin, he was slain. And because he was slain, we're all worthy to be made whole. Can I get an amen? Now, we all know that very, very popular song, Reckless Love. <laughs> Got something like, Oh, Dio. <laughs> Let me sing. Come on now. Ah. Hey. Come on. <clears throat> oh, so you guys are laughing. So everybody sing. Since you are laughing, everybody will sing. One, two, three, go. Amen, 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 amen. Some of you can sing. I won't lie. Some of you are okay. I sing bad. I sing bad on all of you, but we leave it to that. Now we sing that song because our finite mind cannot begin to comprehend the love of God. If we really think about it, there is nothing reckless. But we only say it's reckless because we cannot begin to understand who God is. We cannot begin to understand why He would give His only begotten Son to die on the cross for a price that He did not owe. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him will not die but have an everlasting life. Can I get an amen? amen? Our finite mind cannot begin to comprehend why God would only have one son and give him away for the sins of the world. You see, my parents, they have given birth to seven beautiful children. Amen. I am the second eldest among my brothers and sisters that means i have four brothers and two sisters that's a big family amen but i love my brothers and sisters but you know sometimes you go through brotherly and sisterly quarrels but that doesn't matter because we all love each other but i would never give any of them to pay for the sins of the world <laughs> my parents they have seven kids i don't think they would give any of us i'll probably ask them today but <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably ask them to see and see what they say. But our finite mind cannot understand why God would only have one child. Why God would only have one son and give him away. But the Bible tells us because he loves us so much. What a loving father. What a loving father. To make that kind of sacrifice. To give the only thing that he beholds as himself. You know, the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means God held Jesus Christ at the same, at the same level of himself. Which means that God literally gave himself away for us that we might be saved. The other, thing, the other thing I think about when I think about the cross is the height of the cross. It extends from the throne of grace. It extends from the throne of God. It doesn't matter how wide, how big heaven is because we are still all able to be saved by the cross. Not just by the cross, but because of the person that was slain on that cross. 
But I've got a, I've got a challenge for some of us here today. There are some of us that are still standing, not knowing where we would go if we were to die today. If you read Joshua chapter 24 and you read from verse 14, that's when Joshua gathered the Israelites, he gathered them all and told them, choose ye this day who you will serve. Even to went as far to tell them, if you want to serve the God of the Amorites in the land that we are dwelling in, go and do so. If that was pleasant to you, go and do so. But make a decision. Make a decision. We do not have time to be wavering. If you want to serve, if you want to live for God, then live for God in truth and in spirit. We do not have time to waver because the Bible says that life is like a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But if you cannot say with certainty where you will go if you were to die today or if the rapture was to take place, then there is a problem. You cannot stand on the fence. There is no fence here. It's either you're in or you're out, but you have to make a decision. You cannot stand in neutrality because there is no line. It's either you're in for him or you're playing against him. But you do have to make a decision regarding what you want to do. You see, Alexander the Great was one of the greatest conquerors of the world. And one time somebody asked him and he said, uh, what, 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 how did you come to conquer all the world? Look at the things that you conquered. How were you able to do that? He looked at the guy and he said, well, by simply not wavering. To add to that, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That means we have to make a decision. We cannot serve two masters. That's what the Bible tells us. So it's either you decide what you do or you make a way for, the only thing that can ever decide for us, outside of ourselves, is time. Because the Bible says it is appointed for man to surely die. But also if we do not die, the rapture will take place one day. So we have to make a decision regarding where we want to go. So I, I'm here challenging us. If you haven't made that decision yet this morning, you might never get a time like this. I remember when I was growing up, my dad told me a story. And it was this guy, he went to church. I think he used to go to the same church as my parents. And um, one day, um, he literally walked out of church, was hit by a car, and, and that was his life. His life was done. So imagine that day he went to church and he said, you know what, I'll give my life to Christ next week. I leave yourself to imagine where that guy will be right now. But I'm here to tell you, life is like a vapor. Don't think that this chance will come again, because chances are it might never come again. Chances are this is the last opportunity you will ever have to give your life to him. Chances are that even if you were to walk away today, how do you know you're ever going to come back? Tomorrow, there is nowhere in the Bible that he promises us a tomorrow. That means decisions must be made and must be made quickly. Do not waver in your decision. If you want to live for him, live for him in truth and in spirit. You see, the scientists are looking at different planets. They're looking, trying to go deeper into astrology, trying to go deep into the galaxy. But I'm here to tell you that wherever you go, you cannot run away from the height of the cross. It was David that said uh, that even if I go to the depths of the head, you're still there with me. Even if I rise to the sun, you're still there with me. So I'm here to tell you that as long as there is breath in your lung, Jesus Christ is still faithful and just to forgive us of all things that we have done. Can I get an amen in this place? But decisions must be made. You see, when Jesus Christ decided to die on the cross, there is a certain father that said that Jesus Christ wasn't feeling it. But he looked at the father and he said, your will, not mine. He did not waver in his decision, despite the fact that he perhaps didn't want to die. But he did not waver. He understood that he had to die in order for us to be forgiven. 
If Jesus Christ decided not to die, chances are we'd still be doing burnt offerings today to ask God for forgiveness. But that, that, cannot, that, cannot, that cannot be sustainable, especially in this economy. <laughs> especially in this economy, you understand? <laughs> trying to eat lambs, you guys, instead of eating, you're killing it, God, forgive me. Like, <laughs> that is not sustainable. And Jesus Christ decided, Jesus Christ decided not to waver in his decision. Jesus Christ decided to stand for each and every one of us. That all we have to do is simply say, Lord, I'm sorry, God, for the things that you have done. I'm coming back to you this morning. That's the height of the cross. Also, um, we don't know. I know most of us want to make it to heaven. Like, I know some of us will have mansions. Some of us will have, uh, you know, five-story buildings. To be honest with you, I'm just glad if I make it to heaven. <laughs> I'm just glad. As long as I make it to heaven. Even if I'm a... Listen, as you walk in, even if I'm the guy that's just opening the door for you, I'm saying, oh, you're welcome, bro. And that's it. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. If you guys have your five-star mansions, I'm like, hey, God bless you. But as for me, hey, as long as I make it, my wife makes it, my brothers makes it, hey, we're all good, amen. amen. <laughs> but the only way we can actually experience the full length of the, of the love of God, the only way we can actually experience every God, everything that God has prepared for us is by making it to heaven. You see, when we get to heaven, there are no more sleepless nights. You know, issues of life that are kicking us left, right, and center. Issues in the mind that are dealing with us seriously will not be an issue anymore. Why? Because this is the only place we can experience the true salvation. This is the only place that we can experience the extent of the love of God. The only way we can ever experience that is by making it to heaven. But like I've been saying all this while, if you do want to make it to heaven, if I'm assuming if I sat here, heaven is your goal. Like, yes, we have physical goals. Most of us want to drive nice cars. Most of us want to buy houses. Most of us want to have a good job, which is all good. But at the end of time, all of that will mean nothing. The only thing that will mean anything is when you're stepping in front of the king of kings, will he tell you, you're welcome, my good and faithful servant, or depart for a new you not? That is the only thing that is ever going to matter anything in this life. Yes, it's good to drive. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a job. You know, the Bible says that a man that cannot provide for his family is worse than an infidel. So I'm not telling you not to have a job. I'm not telling you just to go in a bush and pray 24 hours. I'm not telling you that. But I'm telling you that your relationship with God is very, very important. And I'm telling you that your relationship with God should be held with the highest regard. There is no relationship you should have that comes past the relationship we have with God. My last point today is uh, our Savior. Amen. Now you see, as I've been speaking this morning, I foreshadowed him the whole way through. Our Savior and Father, Jesus Christ. Amen. I foreshadowed him all the way through. Whether you look at the width, you look at the length, you look at the height of the cross. Jesus Christ is the one that was crucified for you and I. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That means we have also read before that we have all seen that come short of the glory. That means each and every one of us deserve to die. When we look at the Roman law, the two men that were crucified next to Jesus Christ all deserve to die. Why? Because they were criminals. So when we look at in God's law, we all deserve to die. Why? Because we have all sinned. But Jesus Christ had paid the price that he did not hold. 
We held the price, but we could not pay it. We could not restore what was taken away from us. But Jesus Christ had given his blood on that cross that we might be washed under the blood of Christ. Amen. I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is still in the business of saving lives. I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is still waiting for people. But like I've been saying, if the rapture was to take place today and you do not know where you, where, where you will be, there is an issue. There is an issue. But like, like chances are that some of us, some of us uh, can be like the criminal that, was, that looked at him and said, you're innocent, but when you get to your kingdom, please remember me. And God will have mercy on us. All we have to do is simply ask for forgiveness. Is simply accept him as the Lord of our life. Is simply asking him for guidance on how to do things. That's all he wants from us. All he wants for you and I is to have a relationship with him. That's all he requires from us. Like I said, the wages of sin is death. But look at it this way. Most of us drive here, so let's say you held a, a speeding fine or you, got, you parked where, you know, on a double yellow and you was given a, a fine. You went to court to pay the fine. You got there and they told you, now nah, go free. Somebody else has paid for you. Would you not be grateful for the person? Would you not be grateful? Now Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate price. <laughs> He's paid the ultimate price for you and I. That we might be saved, that we might become renewed, that we might become different peoples, that we might become different in the, in the eyes of the Lord. That's what he did. He paid the ultimate price. He's done it all for us. This morning, church, I'm here to tell us that we cannot waver in the decision that we want to make. The cross is wide. The cross is big. But in order for you to be accepted into his kingdom, you do have to make the decision to come before the cross. You do have to make the pastor preached a sermon, I think it was last week, about the blood of Jesus Christ. And that was a powerful sermon. Because we cannot be washed away, not just because of the cross, but because of who was slain on the cross. And because of who he stood for. And he stood for every single one of us going through and through the earth. But like I said before, there is no repentance in the grave. There is no repentance. in the. If there was repentance in the grave, I promise you, hell would not exist. Because everybody will be in heaven. As soon as God tells you to depart, you'll be like, oh God, I'm sorry, please accept me. And God will accept you into his kingdom. But you're only judged by the decisions you make in this life. As long as there is breath in your lungs, that's what you are judged by. So you can't say, I'm going to wait until the day I die to give my... Because you don't know the day or the hour. <laughs> or even if you did, even if you did, how do you know that the rapture will not take place before you were meant to die? So let's be careful and wise with the things that we do. Jesus Christ loves us. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for each and every one of us. Jesus Christ is a wonderful father. <laughs> Listen, Jesus Christ gave, gave it all for us. Now, I don't have anything much else to say, but to tell you that if you do not have made that decision to be in his kingdom, if you have not made that decision to be with him, today is the day you have to make that decision. If you receive it today, let me hear your hands and give Jesus some praise in this place.